passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good afternoon! This is your captain, Genie, from Aladdin on Broadway. I'm pleased to welcome you aboard your magic carpet with direct services to Agrabah. On your left, you'll find a dazzling love story. To your right, show-stopping, singing and dancing. And just ahead, a whole new world ready for you to explore as we celebrate a decade of Broadway magic. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our shining, shimmering spectacle. Get tickets today at AladdinTheMusical.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting with you on Wednesday night. Is that what day we are up to at this point? It is Wednesday. Correct. Yes. What a day. Mm. I've had a long day. How about you? Uh, I've had an okay day. Uh, what's, yeah. what's been so bad? What's been so long? Uh, it's just one of those days. I was, um, I don't know. It was just, uh, lot going on and got a headache. Oh. Yeah. But things are all right. We got a lot of snow today. Were you outside? I was. Yeah. yeah. Did you have to shovel? I did. Yeah. Just got pelted. It was, uh, all of a sudden, it was uh, it was like we were living in, in like Hoth or something. Oh, that's a, a Star Wars reference. I, nice. I don't even I don't even know why I had that reference at my disposal, but here yeah. we are. Well, we've had a pretty mild winter so far, so you know we're we're paying for it now. It's nice to get snow every once in a while. I think so. Yes. Uh, anything else going on with you? How how is everything else? Perfectly fine. Yeah, oh, I'm, okay. I'm sorry. I wish I. I I wish I had a shittier day just so that, uh, you know, I could join you. And, uh, I would, I'm glad you had a good day. I, I had I a pretty good day. I actually went for a scalp massage. So, uh, oh, okay. Kind Please of, tell kind me of, a little. Kind of the opposite of, of, of your day. Scalp massage. Yeah. What, uh, you had a headache. That... I had a head, um, massage. <laughs> That's all so, they do. The, the head. Yeah. Yeah. I like the neck, you know, oh, an Indian scalp massage. Indian sculpt massage. Okay. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So did you, were you having like a pre-existing issue that necessitated this? Was this just something uh, of curiosity no. to try out? I've, I've, I, you know, like I've gone for massages and like usually they, um, well, like, you know, they, they don't really specialize in it. Like you, do you ever like get your, I, I guess you don't get your hair cut really anymore. No. no. But remember when you did get I your did. hair cut, yeah. you know, they would like shampoo your hair. I never went like, for that. It always looked something appealing, but I never, I never crossed that line at the, at the barber to really, do my, yeah, to do 
do the shampoo and all that stuff. It just oh. felt like it was um, above and beyond up. what I was going to ask for. I just went in, just got my, my standard haircut. And that was okay, it. well, maybe you, I mean, to, well, you, to me, it was the best you, part. You are a man that, treat, that treats yourself. Oh, well, well, come on. Well, you have it's to. It's good to do. It's good to do. Yeah. You have to. So was this similar? Was this similar? I mean, it was basically like that. It was awesome. It was great. I recommend, I actually recommend it to you. How long is if, it? If you're, if you're getting headaches, 30 minutes. I do get headaches. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, that there's... you know, we, we hold a lot of tension like above our necks. Oh, I know. I know. Especially you and I sitting at, yeah, at desks all day. Do, do you ever wake? I, I, I think there's times I, I sleep poorly because I will wake up and I'm just, uh, I'm so sore and I will have like a headache as a result of it, like waking up. And that's probably not good. Do you get sore from sleeping? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Well, what's yeah. your posture? What's your sleep posture like? I don't know. I don't. I can't watch myself while I'm sleeping. You should ask your wife, I guess. Okay. Well, like, do you I... know if you're a side sleeper, a back sleeper? I usually sleep on my back, which is what is recommended. But I can't control. I don't how, know how, what movements I'm making in my. What's sleep. your pillow? What's your pillow? What kind of? What kind I couldn't of even tell you. you. Like, how high is it? Is your pillow? Um. I don't know if you uh, like uh, an inch or two. Uh, I don't know. One inch. Okay. I, so I a low pillow. That's, that should be good actually. Yeah. Okay. Are you getting proper neck support? Okay. Uh, we're losing people at a rapid rate. So we, we better just, you wanted to know move on. Um, but it was good. The, uh, the massage was w- worthwhile. You recommend. I would recommend. Yeah. If you have, have, uh, I mean, I recommend just kind of treating yourself no matter what. So. Go ahead. Go for it, everybody. Uh, just so people know, the tribute in celebration of uh, Jay Briscoe, the Jay Briscoe show seems to be scheduled to premiere on the Ring of Honor YouTube channel at 1 a.m. Um, I don't know if this is, this was not announced as far as I know, but. Yeah, it was, it was stated, uh, like Tony Khan had said today that they were going to have details later tonight, but then on the show, they never did. So that would, um, that, that does line up that. They would uh, uh, get that out. So, yeah, maybe that okay. will be up by the time people are listening to this, if uh, if it's going up, in fact, at uh, 1 a.m. later tonight. So, <laughs> yes, we will be talking about Jay Briscoe uh, throughout this episode as it was the focus of tonight's episode of Dynamite, which uh, since we signed off on Monday, they did announce on Tuesday that Mark Briscoe, in fact, was going to get the green light to appear on TBS and headlining the show, no less, against Jay Lethal on what would have been Jay Briscoe's 39th birthday and this was you know a i think a welcome surprise for most that it was looking like warner brothers discovery was not going to be allowing this to happen as preposterous as that sounds given that mark briscoe was not even the person at the center of the controversy uh involving uh jay briscoe but nonetheless um for whatever reason uh Minds were changed, and we got what is probably going to be among the most uh, memorable matches, uh, ceremonies, whatever you want to call that last like 20 minutes of the show that you are going to remember. Um, it was uh, just a really wonderful tribute that I'm just glad they got to do it on on this size of platform. Well, I think a lot of the reason was because of Tony Khan, you know, Um and really the audience, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I think it was pretty evident last week that Tony wanted to do it, but was not allowed. And I think having the audiences and the public's outcry 
for well it's not like they changed their mind last week when all that outrage began after wednesday i mean it was thursday everyone realized like what the what the game was that they were not going to be allowed and you know the, and, and tuesday the match gets announced so i'm well, sure maybe that, maybe it was planned and they just didn't announce it until tuesday um i i don't know um it, whatever i mean but you know bottom line is it, it took I think at least, you know, the, the outcry from the audience um, and, and and a promoter who happens to listen to his audience and, you know, was able to kind of probably present a lot of the evidence from the public out there to the execs at Warner to convince them. It, it probably helped dramatically that people were so vocal about it because I'm sure Tony Khan was pushing for this last week, of not necessarily this match, but to do a, a tribute 24 hours after. And we saw what, you know, they they were working with last week. So I'm sure it was the public reaction to this and all of the glowing tributes for this individual that I'm sure in the end played a big factor in, you know, the idea that this was going to be not allowed on your broadcast. And instead what you're going to have is one of the most memorable moments in dynamite's entire history. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, it, it was a wonderful bit of news, you know, that we got the, you know, the fact that Mark Briscoe was allowed and that we were able to at least get, um, some closure, you know, for, for a national audience that I think sorely needed it after such a terrible story that seemed to unite all of professional wrestling together. It was just so great to see Mark Briscoe out there. It was. Like this, this was not one of, like throughout the show, like we've seen some incredibly hot crowds for AEW. And I would say like it was a fine crowd, but it was certainly not at some of the recent levels. And then that main event hits and that audience, like they were so engaged. Like that was, um, they, they just were so into everything in that match. And it was, you know, just the perfect way to lay out this match and, end it with the J driller and then you had the locker room coming out. It's just a fantastic scene. And I just thought it came off. It was so classy and it was a wonderful, wonderful tribute. Like I have nothing beyond that to, to state. And I'm sure many people having the, the same reactions, like a very emotional, um, you know, uh, 20 minutes of television. I think the wrestling audience needed it. Um, you know, knowing that it was Mark Briscoe and Jay lethal that, uh, you know, ev- evidently, uh, requested the match i think mark briscoe really needed it you know like just sitting at home with your thoughts and and just all that stuff i mean sometimes going to work is is the best medicine it's the best distraction you know to help you deal with your grief and i i, I hope tonight provided you know uh, a lot for him and his family yeah we will talk about this more uh during during the review of the show but that's obviously the big story um there was a vigil that was held tonight in in Delaware in in Laurel uh in honor of Jay Briscoe and there's going to be a funeral this Sunday uh in the the Laurel High Gymnasium which is where uh, Jay Briscoe you know attended high school and where he was serving as a as a assistant coach for the football team at the high school that his son Gannon plays on so that is happening on Sunday there's going to be a visitation and then a private ceremony uh, that's this Sunday the fundraiser is now at over $315,000 uh, that they have raised um so uh, you know in incredible generosity and they keep these donations keep uh, pouring in as well. And I imagine that uh, the shirts that they are now selling, I imagine those have to be um, 
I don't imagine they're going to be able to keep those in stock with the amount of orders that I'm sure are that Pro Wrestling Tees is being flooded with. And all the proceeds from that shirt are going to the family as well. A lot of wonderful ways to to support and uh, you know show your love for for this family that's that's going to be very much a need for uh, for a long long time. So uh, yeah, wonderful to see the wrestling community that's usually un, you know at odds um, with each other more often than not. Um, but in this case, everybody's coming together, no matter which promotion you love. Yes. Um, before we get to the other news items, I did want to mention that uh, Braden and Davey have an interview up on the uh, Poison Rana site that we also have up on uh, Post Wrestling uh, with Smash champion Kevin Bennett to promote this coming Saturday's card at the Rec Room. It is any given Saturday, and the show is going to be taking place at 4 in the afternoon, and they are screening the Royal Rumble at the Rec Room. If you want to catch some live pro wrestling, meet the Braden and Davey in the flesh, uh, and then you can stick around for the Royal Rumble if you so choose. But they've got that interview up almost 40 minutes. Uh, this to me would be if Braden Harrington became a wrestler, he would probably be Kevin Bennett. I, I, I absolutely think so. Yeah. Yeah. It was wonderful to hear them talk a little bit about hip hop and professional wrestling. Of course, you know, Kevin Bennett was, uh, you know, he is a part of the Buffalo Boys with Daniel Garcia and, uh, they got to ask him a bit about, you know, um, the very, uh, traumatic i'm sure you know car accident that uh the four of them had and um the comebacks that they've all had since sort of the 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 origin that they brought up when like for the garcia jericho connection Mm -hmm. so yeah you can check out that interview up on the uh the poison rana feed and as well thursday night waiting myself and brandon from new jersey we are doing a live live watch along at 8 p.m eastern time all cafe members are welcome. It will start uh, at 8, postwrestlingcafe.com. We are going to watch the 30-man Royal Rumble from 1997 in San Antonio, Texas. So all cafe members, you can join us and uh, sit back, turn on the Royal Rumble. We're watching the match. We're not watching the whole event. And this, well, we won't even give spoilers because maybe maybe some people have not seen the 1997 Royal Rumble, although that image might might jar some memories. Um, so that is taking place uh, Thursday night. Are you looking forward to this? One? I am. Who are some of the participants in this 1997 Royal Rumble that we'll see? Um, we will see Mil Moskers in this ring. There were, this was the year where, you know, running a place like San Antonio and in this Alamo dome, they did link up with AAA and had several, uh, AAA performers on the card and in the Royal Rumble. So you have so, some lucha talent in there. Uh, I believe both fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon, uh, make it into this Royal Rumble. Um, Quite the cavalcade of 1997, early 1997 talent, um, and one of the one of the years where, as I recall, the Rumble did not headline the show because this was Sean going for the title against Sid in San Antonio. Okay, we will not be watching that. No, we will not be. Uh, Sean won the title back. So postwrestlingcafe.com, all members join us uh, there on uh, on Thursday night for the watch along, and we had to bring along. Brandon from New Jersey for the watch along. So let's, let's see how that goes. Video.postwrestling.com as well for all of our video patrons. Uh, all of you guys, no matter if you're at postwrestlingcafe.com or video, video.postwrestling.com will have access to the video. We will have rewind to SmackDown on Friday night at 11 Eastern and Saturday live and free for everybody minutes after the Royal Rumble. Way and I will go live at youtube.com slash postwrestling. So join us minutes after the Rumble and, uh, and patrons can also call in afterwards to uh, scream about who won the Royal Rumble and why this company has lost its way or 
had had the magic touch. This was perfect. The best Royal Rumble of all time. We'll hey, see. man, last year's Royal Rumble was on a lot of people's worst match of the year list. Now, there was tons of anger after last year's uh, Rumble. Especially the men's match. The men's match was was very poor. See, I t- I tend to like I I would have always thought like a Royal Rumble match is one that you know it's kind of hard to fuck up. Yeah, like it's always so good. But they've well, messed up a few in the last decade. Yeah, so we'll see what what the results are this year. All right, so there you go. Postwrestling.com. That's your homepage. Do people hey, still call them homepages? You can if you want. Sure. Um, I like to call it. My universe, okay? The postwrestling.com universe, where you can also find our latest edition of Rewind Away, NXT TakeOver New York 2019, the highest rated Dave Meltzer WWE match of all time. John and Gargano versus Adam Cole in a two out of three falls match. It, John, is this the best WWE match of all time? Um, is it the best WWE match of all time? Um, I'm going to say no, but if you want to make that argument, I mean, some, some, some could. If, if you're going by, uh, if you're going by a rating scale, um, perhaps it is. Um, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic main event. And I, re- I remember it being uh, very good, but this is the first time we actually sat down and watched this event because we attended it live that night at the Barclays Center four years ago. So it was interesting to sit down and watch an event we've seen, but from the different perspective of watching it at home. And it's, it's an incredible, it's an incredible show. Uh, quite honestly, um, yeah. Walt, Walter versus Pete Dunn uh, is on the show. We had Velveteen B- Butch Dream. for new viewers. I'm sorry, yes. Um, yeah. uh, Riddle versus Vel- Velveteen Dream, and of course, uh, you know, um, we give our thoughts on uh, Velveteen Dream's career, of course, as well. So, uh, listen to that right now at postwrestlingcafe.com. Mm-hmm. Check that out. Uh, lots of stuff. Me and Way are in the midst of seven consecutive days of shows. We are at uh, this is show four of seven in a row before we uh, take a break from one another this Sunday. But uh, join us along for for the ride as we continue throughout the week. Monday was the Raw 30th anniversary show, and they did a tremendous number for Monday's show. A 0.70 in the 18 to 49 demo, 2,344,000 viewers. This was the number one program on all of television on Monday night. Cable, network, it was raw on Monday night. That it was beat the one. Bachelor, everybody. You know things are on the upswing when. Um, did you, did you DVR the Bachelor? <laughs> I did not. I don't think I'll be watching this season. It's a, it's a pretty lame Bachelor. It, yeah, it's a, it's, it's this dude named Zach. Um, and he's actually, you know, David Putty from Seinfeld. Okay, it's his nephew in real life. Oh, so okay. like he's at Putty anyway. That, that, oh, that's, okay, Putty, I remember. Now. It's okay. basically the most interesting aspect of him. Like otherwise, is just you know not that much interest. So <laughs> maybe not that surprising to me that Bra did so well. What a tie-in! Uh, to it's this guy's nephew. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So Raw, it was their largest audience since February of 2020. So we're talking almost three years, highest 18 to 49 number since the night after WrestleMania 36, which was the empty performance center WrestleMania. So we're going way back at this point. Uh, the first hour, which was commercial free, uh, topped 2.6 million viewers and did a 0.8 in the demo and the trial. Uh, it did very well. It grew in the second quarter. The second quarter was the highest, was the most watched segment of the whole night. And they had three quarters throughout the night that topped a million viewers in the 18 to 49 demo. Um, even though they, you know, when you have such a big first hour, there is, you know, a big drop in the third hour. And despite dropping 23% in viewers, 
all three hours were still over 2 million viewers throughout the whole night. Uh, Canada, it was the most watched Raw in years. Um, I don't even have data going back to the last time they did this high of a number. So you're, you're looking at years here. And that was also going against a Maple Leafs game. So it's not like they just had a, uh, an easy path on Monday night. So across the board, this was a big, big hit for WWE, the, the concept of the anniversary and the legends from the past, it it just clicked. This is obviously something that uh, they can go to the well every so often, and it, it matters in a big way. Do you do you look at the 30th anniversary as a that being the hook? Do you think any of the legends themselves made a big difference, or was it more so just the concept itself that was enough to pull people in? I, I think it's a little combination of everything. You know, I, I'm just – it's hard for me to like – um take the mindset of a, of a last WWE fan at this point because I've been forced to watch consistently for such a long time. But I'm just imagining something, somebody like a Braden Harrington who, um, rarely watches, um, main roster WWE. And I can understand, you know, the sort of, uh, branding of a 30th anniversary show, 25th anniversary show, DX's 20th anniversary show, anything with an anniversary attached to it. I can, I can see that being somewhat of a, of a draw of a hook to at least simply check things out. And then, but once somebody's, you know, check the show out, I mean, you couple that with, I think the, how hot a bloodline Sami Zayn program is right now, how entertaining it came off in, in execution. And I, I could see a lot of people tuning in out of curiosity, but sticking around for a segment like that, uh, or sticking around for a segment like the undertakers. Um, and not much, Beyond uh, that and DX, because uh, once the commercials came in, a lot of people stopped watching, and that's understandable. Yeah, I mean, you were going to have that that drop off after the commercial free hour, but you know, there's going to be a lot of momentum for the company going into one of the most, no, probably their most popular concept uh, with the Rumble this Sunday or Saturday, and then Raw next week. I it will probably not be at this level, but it's probably not going to be that far off next week if there especially if there's something big coming out of Saturday I think you're going to have a pretty big number next week and if we go 2 weeks in advance that's kind of the number to look at it what are, what are we looking at in terms of the the level of interest w- without anything inflated for you know s- some of these these weeks of I, where where the general interest is for WWE I'm, I'm really curious about this commercial free first hour gimmick how often are they allowed you think to do something like that I think the last time they did it was the Monday after SummerSlam. So they do it every so often and it works. It, it certainly heightens the audience. How do you think the patterns would end up if they were to do this permanently? I think like anything, it would, it would lose its, its effect after a while or you would have, I feel like it would dramatically hurt the ensuing hours like i think there is certainly that attrition factor it's it's different it's a lot of viewers that you know you don't have the commercials dragging them down but i think in time even if that first hour stayed consistent i think you'd see a lot instead of the third hour plunge you might see the second hour like plunge you know 15 20 minutes in and just stay down there for the rest of the show i Mm -hmm. and you'd wear out something in in time I yeah. and d- just don't even throw that idea out into the universe. I kind of resent you even throwing because I never even thought of that. Well, the thing is, the content time is the same. They just back in the the rest of the show with longer commercial breaks than usual. That's how they fit them all in. Um, so for me, watching on DVR, like it actually doesn't matter a whole lot. But um, a lot of people did not come away from the show feeling all that satisfied. You know, after a very satisfying first hour, I would say a lot of people probably agreed, but the rest of the show suffered as a result. 
Did, did you see a lot of complaints? I, I saw generally, um, more positive takes towards I Monday's saw, I saw show. complaints. I saw complaints from uh, a lot of our audience. You know, a lot of people who, again, like certain segments, but, you know, were really turned off by the lack of the Becky Lynch Bailey match and maybe just, I don't know, a general sort of. Well, when you, when you heard about the timing issue, I mean, I, I do give some leniency there that it's, it's unfortunate, but I mean, it's, it is live television and sometimes you have segments like that. I feel they will deliver that cage match. It's, uh, yeah. You know, I don't think it's something that you won't get. Um, but if you were a fan that, you know, bought a ticket and that was something you really wanted to see in Philadelphia on Monday, uh, you have every right to be upset about it because it was something advertised and, you know, you, you know, stuff can happen, but you didn't get something you were hoping to see. NXT on Tuesday, 607,000 viewers, 0.12 in the demo. So, um, where they were really hurt this week was uh, 18 to 34. It was their lowest audience in that demo since July. Uh, they were down 19%. And the big story of NXT was that male viewership was down in all the major demos while females were up. So I don't know. Explain that one. Maybe it was um, – yeah, maybe, maybe it was the thought that Toxic Attraction was actually going to break up, which ended up being a swerve that they teased throughout the show. And they are working together to take out Roxanne Perez. So there you go, a uh, a nail biter at the end of NXT on t- on Tuesday night. Moving on, we have to discuss one Conor McGregor, uh, who is back in the news, which never means good things. So Conor McGregor's latest um, legal issues he is facing is he is accused of allegedly attacking an unnamed woman on his yacht last July in Spain. Uh, this woman said, "Stop that- right there." Everything about that sentence. I don't know how you can write a sentence to make me dislike somebody more than what you you just said. Well, I mean, this story will not make you like Conor McGregor if you are not giving him the benefit of the doubt, because these these details are are pretty heinous. She said that she had known Conor because they came from the same neighborhood in Dublin, and she was there for his birthday party on July 16th and stated that all of a sudden – Connor started insulting her about her appearance and then kicked her in the midsection and allegedly punched her, threatened to drown her, and she feared for her life, jumping from the yacht, and then it was a Red Cross boat that eventually picked her up and took her to shore. So initially... um One report had stated that she initially accused McGregor of the attack, but then declined to identify him. It was only when she got back to Ireland that she filed a complaint with the police service, and then an investigation began. So a a representative for McGregor did give a statement to MMA Mania stating that McGregor is steadfast in his denial of all the accusations made by a guest on his boat. So... I understand everyone is uh, innocent until proven guilty and Conor McGregor deserves his day in court and his side. But I just want to uh, refresh everybody on Conor McGregor uh, of the last couple of years. 2019, he is accused of sexual assault by a woman in Dublin uh, from the previous year. Prosecutors declined to prosecute, and there's an ongoing civil case in regards to that. McGregor's team denies the charge. Then there was a second allegation of sexual assault against a woman inside of a car right around the same time. We have the Dolly incident in Brooklyn the week of UFC 223 in April of 2018, where he threw a dolly, smashing a window and uh, traumatizing Ro- Rose Nama Yunus, uh, injuring Ray Borg, uh, leading to a lawsuit filed by Michael Chiesa, who was also in the in the 
in the bus. March of 2019, he is leaving a club and attacks a fan taking a picture of him and smashes his phone. But a settlement is reached and therefore the civil suit is dropped as were the criminal charges. August of 2019, there is a video that surfaces of Conor McGregor striking an older gentleman at a pub in Dublin who did not want to partake in drinking with Conor and is charged with assault. He pled guilty and was fined. September of 2020, he's arrested on suspicion of attempted sexual assault and indecent exposure in a bar. He was released without being charged, and eventually the case was dropped due to lack of evidence. Keep going. 2021 at the VMA Awards, all of a sudden throws a punch at rapper Machine Gun Kelly. October of 2021, he's alleged to have assaulted Italian musician and TV host, uh, a TV host, at a nightclub in Italy, breaking the man's nose. Uh, the victim files charges and... Conor McGregor is, uh, he is 34 years old. Uh, he last fought in July of 2021. Um, this guy is beyond out of control. These are the cases we are aware of. These are the ones that there were, um, actions taken, uh, by people involved. God knows what has happened that did not make the papers or the media, but this is a dude that is so just out of control and it just is, like a spiral that you watch. And it's, um, I, I don't even like people are talking about in the same breath, like the, the idea of, well, when's he going to come back? Like John Kavanaugh, his coach is out on Monday stating like, he's pretty sure Connor's going to fight this year. And the sad thing is if a fight with Connor McGregor was announced, it would be so, um, welcomed by the fight audience that I think there is almost this callous that has been built up in combat sports for this type of stuff that if you are a popular enough fighter and you bring me entertainment, what you can get away with and what is excused is just, uh, it, it, there, it is infinite when you are a superstar. And part of this is like, we are talking about, you know, a week ago with everything concerning Jay Briscoe, a guy that was not going to be given a second chance in, in his career because of some tweets and not to condone those, but, like, do you have any doubt, Way, that Conor McGregor will, if he fights again, it will be a blockbuster success and everyone will just focus on this fighter. And it's like, look at this rap sheet on this guy. It's insane. It's absolutely nuts. I have no doubt, John, um, that I don't think his audience cares all that much about any of this. And I feel like I know this because in simply even Googling this story – what comes up immediately, as of two hours ago, Conor McGregor teases the Ultimate Fighter coaching offer. I like it. Conor McGregor hints at Ultimate Fighter coach spot in UFC return. Conor McGregor claims he was offered coaching role in upcoming tough season. This the is unbelievable. The, the headlines, you know, will will wash away for him. You know, at this point, if the man has already gotten away with so many, so much stuff, um, it, it's no wonder why he feels bulletproof and like he could do anything in the world. And you know what? Like, I'm, this I, is a guy that has not get, been given any. He has not faced any consequences. He has come up. And this was a guy who was like on welfare at one point and has money that he generations of the McGregor family will never have to worry about money. And with that has come, you are essentially like bulletproof when it, when it comes to this. And when you are taught that, like there are no consequences to these actions, you see patterns develop and you can look at all of this. And um I just like, look at all of this. Like when you, when I sat down today to actually go through like all the things he has been accused of, and we're only going back a couple of years here. Um, like it's astounding. 
it's just astounding. And the, yeah. and the, and the severity of, of what he is uh, accused of on top of it. And again, it's, um, I don't know. It just feels like this ongoing theme of like, uh, ultimate power. And it comes with just, uh, such a blind eye that is, that is turned to this. And, and you can look in many different directions of people that provide this. But anyway, that is the latest on, uh, Conor McGregor. And, um, maybe he's going to coach the ultimate fighter. So I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not leading with, with that story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't know what the answer is, John. You know, like it, it, it controversial figures and somehow like combat sports somehow, um, seem to go hand in hand. It's like if you, if you want to be a fan they, of this, you, you partially have to accept this. Well, and that, well, well, well not just that. They tend to benefit from things like this more often than not. The Dolly know? incident became part of the, the trailer, the commercial for UFC 229. Like they wove yeah. that into a selling feature. Absolutely. So who do we blame? Um, I don't know if there's probably lots of blame that could, that can go around, but I just, you know, from just a, a standpoint that if you actually have a, a care about this individual, like, I don't know how you don't look at this and the many, many warning signs of just like, what is the end result here? Like, this is a guy that it just to me is out of just lost control. Um, and it's just, it's, it's scary when you, when you think about like, what is, um, like, what is next for this individual? Last thing here. Um, and, and I don't mean to continually bring up power slap, which is, uh, made it to episode two miraculously, but man, they have, uh, really come under a ton of scrutiny, uh, led by Chris Nowinski, who did this interview with Business Insider and gave his thoughts on, uh, watching this first episode and explaining, like, um, even like the directional movement that is going to cause greater damage than a straight on shot. He noted, it's going to pull blood vessels apart so you could have brain bleeds. And then if you use your palm right, there's no padding and you're landing on bone. He notes that boxers have softer hits because of the gloves. These are untrained people. You could be certain that somebody with enough training could kill people on a regular basis with enough practice. Now, this is Chris Nowinski. This is not somebody on Twitter that is just sta- stating something for uh, hyperbole. Like this is a uh, traumatic brain injury uh, expert in Chris Nowinski. It's one of those things that I know how stupid it is because I deal with families who have been affected by brain injuries every day. I hope it's not allowed to continue. I hope the powers that be TV networks, commissions sober up and realize this is not sport. This is in the realm of bum fights or who can survive a stabbing or a fentanyl overdose. The only reason it's allowed on TV is that they're not bleeding. All the damage is happening inside their skull, which is a very interesting observation I had not heard uh, from people in like the and, and sort of how I would say more of a past generation than now have sort of looked. But even even today view concussions, it's it's not a visual injury. It's mm-hmm. not as though like we get so squeamish when we see Anderson Silva's leg snap. And believe me, that's a horrific injury. Or, you, or Cody Rhodes Peck, you know that that to me was like one of the main things about the the whole Cody injury and the outrage coming off of it. So right. many people wanted that match stopped without the understanding that a concussion is way worse. So so much more wor- like like worse than that. It's like there 
there are visual injuries and believe me there there is uh, there is a uh, a level of, uh, of pain and recovery required the brain like you do not see the damage happening you can see the effects but those are going to be later on in life and um one fighter uh Eric Spicely uh mentioned the fact that he turned down an offer for power slap um where it sounds like the offer was like per uh slap fight your pay would be 2000 and then a 2000 if you win and then you could possibly have several fights during the day so you know it, it can add up to a few thousand we're talking about but this pay is like obviously the the idea of getting this off the ground is keeping costs as low as possible and the people producing this i mean they have a whole foundation of the ufc that they have made this incredible profit based on underpaying the the fighters and they are just directly turning this over to power slap so these guys are incurring brain damage and it's for modest amounts i don't even know if you can come up with a figure that would be worth this potential damage but they're getting the attention of a lot of people that that carry weight in in science and sports injuries and it was interesting listening to uh john oran from sports business journal who is a pretty plugged in guy i mean he was just making his prediction that you know he would be very surprised if this series even makes it uh, through the eight episodes that it's scheduled to run and bringing up the fact that this was a green light from the entertainment division at Turner and not the sports division. And how are some of these sports leagues like the NBA or the NHL? How are these leagues feeling about their product being associated on the same network as as this, which has just become the laughingstock of sports? Yeah, Um I wonder if things like uh, like organizations like that are are asking about the association. Um, certainly, like I, think, I wouldn't want my commercial if I'm the NBA. Like I don't want my commercials running during this. I don't want any attachment to this at all. Yeah, the story has started is starting to become big enough that I would say you know it's it's attracting that that level of attention. I think like you know if the Dana sl- uh, video never occurred. Um, Part of me wonders if like there'd be this much heat on it or if it would just be a show that air at like, you know, Wednesdays at 10 o'clock that some people would be talking about, but, you know, wouldn't attract this type of controversy. Um, But it's getting to the point where it it is right now. Um, I think I think you would have gotten to this maybe even earlier because no one's bringing up the Dana stuff anymore. It's all about just the the grotesque violence of this that Mm -hmm. people were exposed to last week on that first episode, maybe not knowing what to expect or not watching the trailers, but seeing it itself. Self, um, it was jarring to a lot of people. Like this is like a visual of, and just so much more education towards head trauma that um, a generation ago maybe this would be a big hit. And today it's showing. Like just look at the wrestling audience that tuned out from this. Well, just just you know, on the note of like uh, other properties being attached to it, um, AEW, I'm sure you know was probably had conversations with from Turner, um, asking for some form of integration that it, that's at least more than what we've seen over these past two weeks. Tonight it was nothing. There was a last lower week. third during the main event, and that was it. Like there's there no was hard... lower third. Okay, yeah. So the that same was, all, was last all. week. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, beyond that, like nothing. And and I can't imagine. A, a promoter that listens to his audience as much as Tony Khan would be comfortable doing much more for Power Slap, knowing the outrage that I think his audience would give it. Does all of this outrage from the past week that really came out of the first episode, does that encourage people to tune in this week to the second episode? Fuck no. Not me. Like, 
I, I, if it's if there's any entertaining quality to it, um, I I feel like you would get more than enough from this one clip that Chris Nowinski has has tweeted, and and that was not at all entertaining. Um, it's it's horrifying. You know, I'm I'm at the point now where I have trouble watching MMA. You know, because of of and it's still like an encouragement in of like you know knockouts and and concussive blows. Yeah. So um, it's it's certainly not for me, and I I feel like what I feel like the wrestling audience, as educated as a lot of us are now about concussions and and you know um how much we we want matches to stop when we know somebody is concussed. I I would I would contend that maybe a lot of us feel the same way. Yeah, I, I felt gross when that lower third came up with uh, over top like Mark Briscoe in the in the ring. Like I just felt like mm-hmm. it was just like I didn't need any reminder of power slap during like what's this like really special match that is taking place and this yeah. reminder of what's following this program. Uh, but there you go. That's that's the latest on power slap. I, I just think the numbers are going to continue to dwindle and uh, we will see. It's scheduled for eight episodes. Uh, but if this outrage continues, um, like who knows if TBS like what if, if this thing is doing poor numbers and they're getting all this heat um, from important people. And even if you're talking sports leagues upset about this, potentially, like what what are you preserving at this point? Like what is what is in it for you to to see the end of uh, well, this? Well, con- con- I would have said that at the beginning of this whole thing, John. You know, like once a Dana White video of him slapping his wife came out, I thought for sure like you wouldn't have even launched the first episode of pa- Dana White's power slap, but they did, and and I I can only imagine there's some sort of con- contractual agreement, um, perhaps. But um, yeah, um, this thing isn't great. That's that's an understatement. Dynamite on Wednesday night, the Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky, immediately starting off with Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara with Daniel Garcia in their corner. They come out in red vests and black pants while Daniel Garcia is in his uh, patented black leather pants. And then Guevara and Jericho reveal their red leather pants underneath, and they're taking on Ricky Starks and Action Andretti. So loud chance of Sammy sucks early on. Uh, Andretti sends him to the floor and then does Sammy's pose lying in the ring. And Andretti hits a tope suicida. They did a, a they had Andretti do a lot of flying in this. The crowd is chanting for Ricky as he awaits the tag. And then Starks and Jericho come in and Starks goes for the rope walk. And then he's looking out to the crowd as Guevara tight ropes and then hits a flying cutter to Starks off of the top rope, uh, which was a very cool spot. They double team Starks and then Topes uh, to opposite sides by the baby faces and a double springboard into a reverse cross onto Guevara. Guevara was great in this match. Uh, Starks spears Jericho and then Guevara lands on Jericho when trying to make the save. Uh, and then Andretti tries to split leg and moonsault onto the knees of Jericho. And then a poison Rana is delivered to Guevara. Jericho is hit with Rochambeau on the floor. And then Andretti catches Guevara off the top on his shoulders, and from there, Garcia gets onto the apron and nails Andretti with a bat shot behind Aubrey's back to set up the GTH, and Guevara pins Andretti in 12 minutes and 42 seconds. A good opener here, this one was. You know, Sammy and Jericho are very entertainingly obnoxious together. They're like, you know, like like annoying kid that you, you go to school with, and his younger brother that just mimics all the obnoxious qualities that you hate about this other annoying kid. I think they're a great fit together and it was really nice to see them tag team again. Uh, 
action Andretti, I thought was really the, the main focus of the match for me here. And, you know, uh, he took his first pinfall loss in AEW here, but despite that, I, I thought he came across still as a, you know, a, a star in the making in a match like this. Um, they protected him with the Garcia interference to cause that loss and they continued to give him a really big spotlight to just perform and the guy is delivering you know again like for somebody who um has not been on a national stage he seems incredibly seasoned uh his confidence seems you know great his in-ring obviously is great so he's every he came across every bit like the equal of an AEW veteran like Sammy Guevara here and it just kind of makes you like wonder how many how much strong unsigned talent is out there at this level right now in the indies yeah a nice match and the program continues here, and we will see what what do you see being the the big destination? Like, what is this building towards? Yeah, because they've already done the singles matches with um, you know Starks I, and Andretti. I'm think I think you could do another Starks versus Jericho match. You know, um, maybe it's match. it's and maybe it's Andretti that's singled off with Guevara. Yeah, or Garcia, or Garcia. Yeah, he mm-hmm. could get involved too. I'd love yeah. to see that. Yeah. There's a video for Jay Briscoe, and then they announced the uh, that the Mark Briscoe Jay Lethal match will be the main event tonight. Uh, really, really nice, well put together video on uh, on Jay Briscoe, uh, featured yeah. like the different family members, many different classic moments and uh, and lines from Jay as well. They found some really great clips, you know, that really embodied his and the Briscoes identities to ring of honors from the beginning i, I believe the the shot with uh, amazing red holding up his honor was probably from the first roh show where he wrestled uh, amazing red so the very first ROH, roh show to the last show of the sinclair era where you got the briscoes delivering that promo saying you know, it's an end of the era but but not the end of the briscoes and then up until the present day um from final battle w- with them you know in the ring with a uh, you know all, them and ftr holding their hands up like they their identities are tied with every chapter of Ring of Honor's, you know, 20 plus year history. And um, above all, though, I, I thought the video really emphasized his life as a father and as a family man. And as I as soon as I saw him with his children and even his children, you know, like footage of his children holding up the, the, the ROH championship and, and, and speaking like it, I could barely hold back the tears at that point. Um, it, you know, but it wonderfully set the stage for tonight's main event. Yeah. Darby Allen and Buddy Matthews for the TNT Championship is next. And they bring up Darby wrestling at Yokohama Arena in Muda's last match over the weekend. And that, you know, the idea is he is keeping up this intense schedule of title defenses and then taking matches in Japan. And he's breaking down physically. So at what point is he not going to have enough left? So he comes out, his, uh, his leg is taped above the knee and Matthews has Half of his face painted just like Darby and nails Darby with this flying knee at the beginning. And from there, he works on the knee, uh, hits a meteora onto the edge of the apron. And then Allen comes back with a coffin drop to the floor and the lights go out. And when they come up, there is Malachi Black and Brody King on the ramp. But they get attacked by Ortiz from behind, who has a kendo stick. And then Sting joins in to help Ortiz and they fight to the back. Uh, the match continues. Poison Rana by Darby, buckle bomb and a stomp by Matthews. And then Darby hits the code red, goes up to the turnbuckle, but he is stopped and then turns a superplex into a scorpion death drop in midair. Unfortunately, this was not so smooth. And then Matthews landed and his foot was under the rope. So it's a two count and 
Then they just went to Darby hitting a coffin drop to Matthews, who was draped on the middle rope and wins in 12 minutes and 48 seconds. I was thinking the death drop was supposed to be the big climax uh, to, to the match. You think so? I thought so, and I just don't think it, it looked all that great. And they just, I don't know, this just felt like a bit of an audible at, at the end. Because that's a pretty spectacular maneuver to just do a near fall off of. Could, could have been possible, yeah. Um Despite that, yeah, the landing looked a little confusing. You couldn't really tell, you know, who was supposed to get the worst of it. Um, but despite that, I thought the match was really good and these two showed really good chemistry. Certainly you, you would categorize Buddy Matthews as, you know, somebody in AEW who has been underutilized thus far. Certainly more talented than, you know, the airtime that he's been given. He's hard hitting and fast, like just really a perfect fit for this roster. So it's kind of surprising that he hasn't had more like, high profile matches like this one as yet. And I certainly hope to see more. Um, he played a good aggressor here to, you know, tell the story of Darby Allen. Basically like he's like, I mean, he's Jeff Hardy, you know, he's like his body is ba- barely holding together at this point. Um, which I'm is sure, very believable, very believable. And I'm sure the flights, uh, the 12 hour flights aren't, aren't, aren't very, yeah, they mentioned he's also jet lagged and it's worse coming, coming West than going East. Ooh, ouch. So I like the story. You know, we're, we're probably going to see a lot more selling from Darby Allen. Shivani interviews him in the ring and mentions the Noah match and all of his title defenses he has had going back to winning the title in Seattle in a great moment. And then the king of television appears on the screen and it's Joe. And he is coming to take everything from Darby. You stole the title from me. The king will not be usurped by a man like you. Winning that title was the greatest mistake of your career. The king has spoken. This guy is just great. I miss the king of TV, you know, appearing. Um, and uh, looks like we're getting that re- rematch right away here. Next They're week. doing this next week. Yeah, we'll get into the whole lineup for next week. But they uh, this is a fairly loaded show for Dayton, Ohio next week. No holds At- barred, too. Oh, oh of course. Yeah, because yeah. why, why would you want to put limits on on these two? No, you don't. Video on Adam Cole and his recovery. He's just in the ring and said his his recovery period. It's been one step forward and two back, but he loved being back, feeling this roar of the crowd. And he's not where he wants to be, but he's working towards that and is unsure when he can return. But that day is coming soon as he stares off at a poster for Revolution on March the 5th. So he's not going to wrestle until then, which is fine. Yeah, it's, it's only that's just over a month away. It's not that long until the pay-per-view. We're like five weeks away from that. So yeah. hold them off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I think it's cool. I, I guess, uh, you know, I don't know if I personally have like as much anticipation for like an Adam Cole return match, like enough to, you know, m- like make me wait for a pay-per-view. Um you know, storytelling is everything. And maybe they could use this time with him out of the ring to, like, really hype him up. I thought the video was really well produced. Um, what about you, John? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like, a fine video. It's like you're trying to build anticipation for this return. I, I, I do feel like there is something with Adam Cole since that return, that there is uh, a chance to do something very important with, with Adam Cole, um, mm-hmm. with, with this with this return and build it up, make this, make this really big for his return. Like this is him on this road to the title or, you know, something big to create a new top babyface. Any guesses about who a potential challenger opponent might be? Um, 
I don't. I, it doesn't feel like storyline wise there's there's anyone in mind. Um, maybe maybe it's like Hangman Page. Interesting. I, I think it would have to be heel. Well, I feel they're almost like dangling that with Hangman at this point, just the way they're he's going with this Moxley thing. Maybe. Anyway, uh, out comes Ethan Page and Matt Hardy to the Hardy's theme, and the firm shuts that down. It's the wrong song. And Cassidy, Isaiah Cassidy, won't praise Ethan Page, so Hathaway tells him, put my chain on, dead ass. And the the two take on Jungle Boy and Hook. And we had delete chance early on by Matt during this standoff. And then uh, Hook ends up on the floor and almost takes an ego's edge, but... Jungle Boy makes a save with a dive. Uh, there's an advantage on Jungle Boy during the break. And then Hook suplexes Ethan, hits him with a T-bone, goes for the red run from the apron, but Matt yanks him off. And then there's a side effect to Jungle Boy. And Matt goes for the twist of fate, but Ethan Page wants in. He's booed. And then Ethan tries the twist of fate, and it's turned into the snare trap. And as Hook pulls off Matt from the apron, Ethan has to tap out in seven minutes and... Afterwards, they put over how well Jack Perry and Hook work together. They just have great chemistry as Paige is upset with Hardy. Okay, good. match. I mean, I thought it was a good fast-paced match, you know, um, primarily because I, I really, really enjoy seeing Jungle Hook together. Um, I think they have great timing, great chemistry together. The combination of skills that they bring, I think, are a great match. One is a high flyer. The other is a technician. Both of them good-looking. You know, I think that's a that's an awesome combo. Um, you know how I feel about the Matt Hardy shit. Um, I, I you know, do, do you know whatever. he's he's teaming with him against his will? Yeah, yeah. Somehow, like I don't, I don't know what what this contract is. I need that. I, I hope Brandon Thurston does a breakdown of you know this Matt Hardy contract whenever uh whenever it gets out because um he and I, Isaiah Cassidy have evidently um you know. Being a servant is somehow written into into this this wording of this contract because whoever owns possession of it evidently can make you you know their their servant from this point on and it's just how many years is it maybe it's a ten year term. This company this. needs a babyface lawyer. I th- I think that that's impossible to find. I think that's an oxymoron. Family therapy with the guns and the acclaimed. So, um. This woman was the therapist. She was never identified. So it was um just somebody here. She didn't do anything. She just I like mean, she she introduced the segment to the TV audience. I mean she, she was, was like, she was a, a host, basically. That was it. That was it. So Billy asks his kids why they are spoiled brats. They explained you were on the road three hundred and twenty days a year, and it was supposed to be us winning the tag titles with you. Bowens calmly says, you two are the biggest pieces of shit I've ever met. And I'm being serious. You had all this time to make up for the lost time with your father. And instead, he adopted us. Castor says he has no sympathy for Colton and Austin. And you three would have been fine together, but it wouldn't have been the success that we've had. And you wouldn't have the top T-shirt in AEW. So everyone starts arguing. And Billy says that his sons took the easy way out. And then the guns explain that our our failures as children is a result of your failure as a father. And the only thing that will make us happy are those tag titles as they get up and leave. That is all they want here. 
So um, this was not a therapy session done for comedy. This was um, to set up a title match. No, this was no uh, Dr. Shelby, you know, um, segment, no Scorpio Sky here. Um, a lot more serious. And it essentially just kind of, you know, became a face-to-face sit-down conversation between the two, which I guess is kind of what family therapy uh, is in some ways. <laughs> but um, I thought it was fine, you know, to set up the match. Um, effectively kind of conveyed some of the history between the two teams. And you had a pretty, like, big line there from Colton blaming their shittiness on on their dad, which, man, ouch. So it it's, was okay. Yeah, it's their failures. It's hereditary. Um, I don't think he was saying that. He's saying the fact that he was so absent is why they're so shitty. Well, this would have been a perfect spot for Road Dog to come in as uh, the gun's new mentor. Wow. Yeah. Um. Man. I don't then, know. Then, then have Road Dog and Max Caster battle it out on the mic. <laughs> that would be quite the battle. Yeah, the greatest rap battle ever. Renee catches up with Hangman Page, who is uh he just travels to the shows. He's not he's not big on you know doing a whole lot of stuff. He's just he just chills. He likes to hang out. Well, they're, they're, he's staying in in town for the next two days for Rampage because he's got got a match there. Okay, well, Renee says for the last week it's been bothering her that you gave me a vague response last week about what's next for you. So uh, what's next? He says that. To look forward, you sometimes have to look back. And that takes him back to Ohio, where all of this started with John Moxley. So next week, they're going to be in Dayton, in Ohio. And he wants to try the impossible. John, I want to knock you out. And there was something about him delivering this line. And Renee is just like nodding, but like, okay, this is, uh, this is something here. We're getting an answer out of him. You're going to knock my husband and father of my child unconscious. Okay, so <laughs> Wheeler Yuta walks in, stating that Moxley isn't cleared yet, but in the in the AEW medical world, we can prognosticate that he will be cleared next week. So that's that's how it works. It's just you will be cleared on this date. So I don't know why Adam Cole has a question mark. Like he should know the date that he will be recovered from a concussion. So he accepts on behalf of uh, of Moxley, who I hope got his fishing in, because next week he will take on Hangman, and Yuta will take on Hangman on Rampage Friday. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I I really like Yuta in these sort of like setup roles for the BCC members. You know, um, it's a p- perfectly great role for him at the moment. You know, he gets his time in in the spotlight against headliners like a like a Hangman Page and can, you know, look usually looks impressive in defeat. To me it's an attractive match for a Rampage, Hangman Page versus Wheeler Yuta. And uh yeah, it looks like we're getting Is this at the end of the trilogy? Did they have three matches? Well, they said this is this is like the rubber match. So. The rubber match, okay. Yeah, I don't know feel... if they had matches before that, but anyway. Whatever. Now, I wonder if they could do. They could always do something next week where it's almost like a like playing off the knockout gimmick, like it's a double knockout, and we yeah. get some something that it has to be executed well. And this is a like last man standing match at the pay per view. Right. You're right. Yeah, because you know you would think that both both of them would be each other's long term program to peak at the pay per view, right? Um, I think oh, you could stretch it another month. Yeah, yeah. It depends how o- they do awkward. The- awkward for Renee to keep doing these interviews every week, but yeah. What do you think she plays? Like, do you, do you see her her role evolving throughout all this, or is she just simply going to play background character? Like, are we going to get her to snap at one point, 
or at least show some sort of real concern for her husband and break sort of her professionalism. Well, it's tough. It's I, I, I do feel like she's in a very tough role. Like last week, we're kind of talking about like they tried something very different with the camera still rolling afterwards and present her as like we're not playing dumb here with the audience. Like this is John Moxley's wife. We all know this it, this relationship. Everybody is aware of it. So and, we're not going to ignore she, it. And she also conveyed that like she's been through this before. You right. know, like she's already you get the sense she's already cried her tears and she knows that this is what she signed up for by marrying this person. And then this week you have, you know, Hangman say, I'm going to knock you out again. And it's the idea of like, is she playing just the straight role here? Should she have a reaction to that or, or, or not? Like, this is not just, I'm going to beat you in a match or whatever. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to concuss you. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? I'm going to make it so you forget your kid's name. I mean, that, that probably would have been stepping over a line. Um, anyway, it's, um, I, I, I don't, I don't want to see Renee go in that that direction because i think she's a fantastic she's fantastic in this role um that i wouldn't want to get I, I, her too heavy into angles i, I don't think moxley I, needs it either i suppose i just wonder why they continue to pair her with with you know hangman when when i feel like the point has already been made last week mm-hmm. so i would i just wonder if they're built, building to something else brian danielson against brian cage prior to the announcement of the mark briscoe match this we talked ourselves into this match that became my most interesting one this week was the Danielson cage match and what they were going to do here. And I think they're going to do our idea, which is what where his arm is like damaged and he's going to wrestle without the use of his arm. Oh, for the MJF match. Yes. Yeah. And for, I don't, I don't know if that was our idea, John, you know, like they, well, we threw this idea out last week. Right. But I mean, the fact that MJF told, you know, Brian cage to target the arm, yeah, it didn't mean he was going to be successful in it. Let's take credit for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, they, anyway. stole, they stole it from us. Early on, uh, he goes for the label lock, and then a tope suicida is hit. And uh, to emphasize Brian Danielson, he, as the baby face, he just takes his fist. Come on! To the crowd. Come on! I mean, that tends to... He's very spirited here. Yeah. Uh, Cage lifted up Danielson and military pressed him into the corner, which looked scary as hell when he was just like launching him into orbit, um, coming down head first here, but, uh, felt fine. Release German and then Cage works the arm with a hammer lock and bear hug combo. Danielson headbutts his way out and then Danielson does his backflip out of the corner, which Cage catches and hits him with a shoulder breaker. Danielson then comes back with the yes kicks, goes for the triangle, but he is lifted. So Danielson moves to an ankle lock and then lifting him up with the ankle, Germans Cage. They have a big striking battle and Cage hits a buckle bomb followed by a power bomb, lifts up for a second power bomb when Danielson goes over top for a sunset flip roll up, catching Brian Cage in 12 and a half min- minutes. But Cage is not done yet because the task has not been completed and he proceeds to hit Weapon X while trapping the arm and dropping Danielson and continuing the attack afterwards. But uh, first, just your thought on the match before we get into the MJF portion. I thought the match was excellent. And, um, stand out to me, you know, was Brian Cage here. I think beyond the man's power and athleticism, I thought his body part targeting was really excellent throughout the match. He has a lot of good looking, varied offense that, you know, is all entertaining. It's not simply just, you know, putting on hold and, and doing something simple. I, I thought all, all match and even after the match, he had a lot that was, 
logical and also like creative and um look good you know all targeting the shoulder um of course the other standout is the fact that you know we can go from this these crowds booing Brian Danielson against Takeshita against Bandito and then the very next appearance you know Danielson just goes right back to being the biggest sympathetic babyface in the world um he was great here uh, a great you know David Goliath story that I thought both of them played a great played played really well yeah, you did not have the the sympathetic opponent here like you did with Takeshita or Bandito with with Cage, but I I thought it was like a really really enjoyable 12 and a half minutes all built around the arm and then the post match continues here. So after the attack by Cage, MJF comes down with a chair, hands it to Cage and puts Danielson's arm through the chair, ramming it into the post, which was so severe, Excalibur said it could cause permanent life altering damage. MJF then stands on his wrist and attacks with punches on top. The crowd is booing him and then puts the arm through the chair and he's about to come off the turnbuckle to stomp it. When Takeshita runs down, MJF flees with the belt while Takeshita hits a jumping knee to Brian Cage and saving Brian Danielson. A little late, but uh, nonetheless saving him from irreparable life-altering damage. Life-altering damage, yeah. Yeah, um, I I really like Takeshita in the role. I like him sort of a. I, I is the BCC still a thing, or, or are they just like you know loose association? I mean, it's, they're Mox, all gathering. They're gathering their thoughts. Mox is fishing. Claudio, I guess I don't know, drinking coffee somewhere, and uh, Yuda uh, left after um, interrupting Paige. And uh, that leaves nobody but Takeshita out there to save him, which is perfectly fine. Maybe he joins the BCC. Um, and then you have this, you know, continued MJF serious character. You know, he's not, he doesn't smile, no jokes. He's not even wearing a full suit. You know, he's like he's really wanted to show off those those shoulder muscles. And uh, I I think the transformation is, is coming across well. After the break, Renee goes into the trainer's room where Danielson is being looked on looked at. And the doc, doc Sampson says it doesn't look good. Danielson says, I don't care what you think. I asked you, can I wrestle or not? So doc Sampson says no. And Danielson screams, I wrestled for 60 minutes with a dislocated shoulder. No one tells me I can't wrestle. And he says that MJF is scared of being exposed and Danielson taking his belt. I'm going to prove that behind your mask is a fraud and that I should be the champion. And Doc, you're not going to stop me from wrestling ever again. And so uh, this is Danielson defying doctor's orders and he's going to wrestle. So he's clearing himself. I mean, it really was his uh, basically, you know, his whole three years out of the wrestling industry. It's like, this is how easy it is. I could have, man, <laughs> why did I bother with Maroon when I could have just uh, announced yeah. I'm wrestling? That's Tough it. shit. Yeah. Um, I thought the start of the segment was pretty hokey, you know, like uh, trainer's room and uh, I'm going to fight no matter what you say, doctor, you know. But then once Brian actually got into the promo of it, um, I thought he sounded really good. Um, very passionate and uh, sets up a, this this great idea you and I came up with. Yeah, our, our original. Tony Storm against Ruby Soho. So this match was changed when they announced that Britt Baker is injured uh, when they were going to do the triple threat match. Storm does an inset promo referring to the homegrown idiots. And then Soho 
in her promo states she has worked her ass off to be taken seriously and fight in this company with the best women in the world. And she won't let Tony disrespect the great women of AEW. Yes. Yeah. Um, Soho, I thought, I, you know, sounded good from, from what I could hear, but the audio mix I thought was kind of tough, you know, over, over the music for both of them. I, I continue to be somewhat like disappointed at, I think the lack of attention they've given Storm and Soraya for the actual turn itself, it really, I'm having a tough time, like really getting into the new characters because it's been so quick. They're, they're good guys one week and then all of a sudden they just, they, you know, she changed her hair and she's calling, what did, what did she call them? Original what? Idiots? Homegrown idiots. Homegrown idiots. I mean, what happened? What, what happened to you in those weeks? She, uh, she injured herself at full gear. She had a wake up call. Well, it would have been nice to see, like, I don't know, like the, the mental struggle in that transformation. Instead, it was just like one week she's good and one week she's not. Well, they had their match, and uh, first off, she hits a, a hip attack, rocking Soho off the apron, and then stomps on her in the corner. And Storm tries hooking the tight. She's doing all the heel stuff in this. Gets hit by no future, and Soho gets a two count. And then Storm gets hit in the nose, and she's holding the nose like it might be broken. So Ruby backs off, but it was a misdirection and Tony it was fine and she nails Ruby with a German suplex and she is booed for this poor sportsmanlike uh behavior and then she kills Ruby with this hip attack in the corner my god and then a tornado DDT is hit and then Britt Baker's music hits and Tony Storm can't can't have her attention on two people at once so she chooses Britt Baker to focus on, and she gets hit with Destination Unknown, and Ruby wins in 8 minutes and 47 seconds. Winner via distraction. Mm-hmm. And this, this, uh, I think this was Britt's babyface turn way, so you better keep up. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess I got that. Uh, so, you know, I, I, maybe we can presume that Britt, Britt was supposed to be in this match and was maybe supposed to cause i mean the feud is ultimately being built between baker and storm and they needed to do something to attach baker to the outcome of this i'm just so disappointed that the thing that they chose was the most cliche thing we complain about endlessly on wwe tv i mean it's isn't it sort of ironic that like the anti-wwe person is doing the wwe finish to cause the other person to lose. It should be Tony Storm coming out and playing her music to lead to Britt Baker losing. Yeah, it's uh it's an overdone finish that I, I don't need to see ever. Um Yeah. The nose like thing too, I thought was just like really lame and, and I don't I don't know, maybe being WWE style lame is like what they're going for right now. But I, I thought the in ring work was good, but like man, I I thought like a lot of the creative decisions in in this were disappointing to me. We go backstage, MJF cuts a promo, and he is he's basically hiding from Danielson, but notes that he wouldn't be the first Jew to have to hide from a man with blue eyes. And Jeez. He, Jesus. Poor, uh, did he say that about poor Brian Danielson, you know, the friendliest blue-eyed man in the world? Are you kidding me? But, okay. Yeah, he he also that. thinks that take a shitta was a really funny line, but he can't force the fans to have taste. 
He says Takesh is very talented, but you can't match my tempo. So warns him to stay out of his business or there will be consequences. He knows Danielson is obsessed just like he is with the title. And this is the, the reason I get out of bed in the morning. It proves all of my work and all of my sins are worth it. It makes my catchphrase legit that I am better than you. This title, it makes me whole. Danielson, you have everything you need. A great family, a Hall of Fame career. MJF needs this. And mentions that bad things happen to people that mess with him. Noting that he knocked out some British guy that looked like Ellen DeGeneres on meth. Pretty good. <laughs> I, I mean, like, kind of, uh, like, it, it's kind of fitting, actually. That was the parting shot. He says, tonight, it was just physical pain he delivered to Danielson. Don't make me deliver mental pain because that leaves a scar. And with that, he runs a video where MJF has contacted his good friends at Cyberfight and lined up Timothy Thatcher to take on Danielson next week as Timothy Thatcher is out to rip the man's arm off. And Danielson will go into this match without the use of an arm, which I cannot wait to see. I think MJF should just book the rest of Brian Danielson's career. I mean, these matches have been fantastic. You know, he's like, uh, he's, he's like the most fan friendly booker. I think uh, even more so than Tony Khan. Very good promo here from NJF. Easily the best of the show. Um, some great promos this week in this feud with, with him and, and Danielson. So they're starting to deepen this feud. And I think, uh, this was a great intro- introduction this week of the arm story. Um, I'm really looking forward to Thatcher versus Danielson. Both these guys were under the same umbrella for years, and we never got this match. So um, in AEW, we'll finally get to see it on a big stage. And uh, they both yeah. use the Fujiwara armbar, so I'm kind of curious if there's any difference. You know, in a, in a different world where the people are not uh, under contract to who they are, if William Regal had stayed in AEW and MJF could have hired Charlie Dempsey, Bailey Matthews as the mystery opponent that Danielson has to face while Regal is in his corner. That would be pretty like MJF awful. has corrupted this child for his national <laughs> his he's getting a national television opportunity by MJF, but he's got to go take out his father's student. <laughs> a whole lot of drama there. Anyway, maybe so, it could take place in the WWE in the future. It could uh, rampage on Friday. So in addition to Hangman and Yuta, powerhouse Hobbs will be in action. In action, not just with the book. And then an eliminator match between Jamie Hayter and Amy Sakura that had a video with Hayter calling her a legend. And it's been a long time since they've wrestled. And Hayter is much different now. So um, Jamie Hayter did more than 30 seconds to build up Amy Sakura than we've gotten on uh, Dynamite in years. I don't know if she's been on Dynamite in years. Yeah, like much less mentioned, you know, but she's been very consistent um, uh, of a mainstay on, on Dark. And, um, I, I think there, you know, there's been a lot to me, at least some groundswell for, you know, people wanting to see more of her. And, uh, this maybe seems to be it. So I'm happy for her. I, I like this lineup on, I like these two matches, um, with, uh, Hater and Sakura and Yuta and Hangman. Like they look like, you know, should be a good show on Friday. Yeah. I really liked like that, that they dedicated, you know, some, some real passion from Hater here to, to put Sakura over and, uh, I think it looks like a decent dark with Hangman Page versus Yuta and Hobbs as well. 
Dynamite, Danielson and Thatcher, Moxley and Hangman, the acclaimed will be in action, and the no-holds-barred match between Darby Allen and Samoa Joe for the TNT title. So that's a pretty pretty sizable Dynamite when you're looking at it on paper a week out. Agreed. Yeah. And then it is the main event segment. And Excalibur is joined by Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman, who get to call the main event. And uh, they only stated on Tuesday that they got the call for this. So I'm imagining this all came together in the last 48 hours. Or, or I should say, you know, 36 hours probably. And they and Ian calls this, this is a celebration of Jay Briscoe's life. We've got Bobby Cruz in the ring and Paul Turner as the referee. So really like just like the perfect people in place for uh, this tribute. And out comes Jay Lethal along with Sanjay Dutt. Both are wearing Jay Briscoe shirts. Uh, they were ditching the character work. It was like, this is separate from AEW. It was like, this is its own thing, and we are not playing our characters. Lethal was like already near tears from the moment he walked out. Mm -hmm. And and so was Sanjay, for that matter. They both looked incredibly emotional just, you know, upon walkout here. And we go to break, and we come back, and then you hear the Briscoes theme, and Mark comes out to just a gigantic ovation, and he's holding the ROH tag titles, which, I mean, was just like... A, a, a shot in the gut when you're you're watching as he comes up and he holds these tag titles and is introduced as one half of the ROH tag team champions and they shake hands at the start and Jay Lethal is in tears at the start of this. Uh, Ian is mentioning all of uh, Jay Briscoe's family members and they build up to this chop battle. Mark does the redneck kung fu, kung fu. And when he does this, this crowd gets to their feet with a standing ovation. Uh, Mark hits an iconoclasm. And then the lethal combination is hit. And Jay goes for the lethal injection, hits it. But Mark rolls to the floor. Again, a round of applause as uh, the announcers are explaining that Mark was always the strategist of the team. And he was so smart. And he's showing his uh his strategy here of getting out of the ring and mark then gets placed onto the timekeeper's table and lethal climbs to the turnbuckle but is stopped by jay or sorry jay gets stopped uh on the turnbuckle and mark hits the running blockbuster off the apron and puts jay onto the timekeeper's table and proceeds to hit froggy bow and the place explodes for this into the ring they go. Lethal counters the J Driller, and then the Lethal Injection gets caught with a Lariat, and Mark hits his own Lariat and wins with the J Driller. Uh, just a fantastic uh, presentation here that this audience loved. Um, Mark then climbs over to the center or to the side of the ring and into the camera mentions uh, Jay's children, all three of them and telling his brother that he loves him. I mean, this was just uh, such an impactful moment um, that uh, I don't think anyone will ever forget if, if they watch this. And then with that, the locker room emptied and Mark uh, went up, uh, hugged many of the members that go way back in ring of honor. And that, that's how the show ended. I just thought this was just uh, such an amazing tribute, uh, a show you'll never forget, I think, in wrestling. It was the moment of catharsis that I think so much of us were looking for last week that we never had. Um, and I thought it was great. Um, you know, it reminded me a lot of the Owen Hart tribute match, you know, between Brett and Owen, or sorry, between Brett and Benoit. Um, except this one was a lot more immediate, you know. Um, and, and 
honestly, it wasn't even so much about the match and more so just about the fact that like, um, they had the spotlight and, um, you know, you're, you're keeping Jay Briscoe in everybody's thoughts. Everybody got a chance to focus and think about Jay Briscoe. And, uh, I thought the closing scene was wonderful. You know, you saw the genuine emotion in everybody's eyes and, uh, I, I guess if there's any sort of silver lining, you know, to the fact that they didn't do this last week, it's the fact that waiting a week probably made it a bit more possible for Mark Briscoe to be involved. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, um, I, I mean, we, we should be thanking him, you know, for, for building up the courage to perform tonight and and you know maybe he requested it and so it probably was helpful for him as well but it it it, it it's it was like a, a nice bit of levity to what has been you know a pretty tough week for i would say a lot of wrestling fans yeah i i just thought it was so beautifully done and it was just a great great um you know 20 minutes of of programming period um regardless of like genre it was just wonderful to see um very very heartfelt and i think everyone will Always, uh, just, just remember this. And even the line at the end, um, Excalibur mentioning that Jay Briscoe had an influence on the wrestling that you love. It was just like a great kind of a capstone, uh, to this moment. But er everyone involved in this, I just thought did a, a fantastic job. And we obviously have not seen the tribute show yet, which airs, uh, just a few hours after we've recorded this. Uh, I imagine at some point, John, you and I will watch it on Thursday and we'll come back maybe to talk about it on Friday, but I imagine what we got here was just a small sliver of, you know, the type of uh, sentiment that we're going to get on uh, that three-hour show. Yeah, it's a three-hour show, and it features not just the matches from last week, but classic matches of the Briscoes and testimonials that they taped last week as well. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure it's going to be a very, very emotional show, and yeah, we will talk about that on, on Friday once we get a chance to see it. So we will now... Uh, Hand it over to you if you guys want to send in any super chats. We also have uh, feedback from the forum to get into with everyone's thoughts on tonight's uh, edition of Dynamite. Let's go to some of your super chats. And again, if you tune in live right after Raw, right after Dynamite, every single week uh, at YouTube.com slash post wrestling, you have the chance to jump to the front of the line with your feedback by sending a super chat of any denomination. We first go to Muggin, who sends 279 Canadian. Thank you for the support, Muggin. He says, I've started Physical 100. It's dope. Do you know what this is, John? No. It is a new show on Netflix. It is filmed in Korea. And basically the concept is, it's like, did you, you watch Squid Game, right? Yep. So the concept is they, it's, it's kind of like a real life version of Squid Game, like without the death, obviously. Um, they, Squid Game wasn't real? Uh, not, not to my knowledge. No. Sorry to, uh, break it to you. But, you know, they, they gathered, a bunch of people who don't exactly know like who else is going to be a part of this competition. And the thing is they gathered 100 people. That's why it's called physical 100. They gathered 100 of the most fittest people in Korea from all fields. And that includes any sport you could think of. Like, Oh, you know, they, they bring in Olympians and they bring in pretty famous people, at least in Korea. We're talking about like gold medal winners in gymnastics. We're talking about, uh, um, I don't know, uh, straight, straight up bodybuilders. We're talking about, you know, uh, wrestlers, judo players, uh, even MMA fighters like Yoshihiro Takiyama. I was going to ask. Oh, he's in the show. Akiyama's and, in it. And the first episode. What about, is, what about Minsu Kim? 
I don't believe he's in it. No, but you know, like uh, I don't know how famous Min Soo Kim is in in Korea. R- Ricky Dozan would have been in this, uh, probably. Yeah, if, if he would have uh, revealed his uh, nationality. But you know, the first episode is just like everybody walks into a room and like they don't know who else is going to be in, so they're just seeing like, oh my god, you're in! I know you! I know you! I know you! And then like in comes you know Yoshihiro uh, 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 Takayama, who's like. Um, Akiyama. Akiyama, I'm sorry. Not Akiyama. But, uh, you know, uh, Akiyama got, got, like, the biggest reaction of, of almost anybody because he, he was famous for, like, you know, being in a, a number of things among the UFC. Dude, he's so, like, uh, he's the, the poster. He's child. on the cover of it. Yeah, yeah. Again, he's, he's one of the most famous people that are Nine in this. episodes. So now, once they're all gathered, then they have to do the competitions. And these competitions are presented like they're squid game competitions. You know, they don't know what they're about to do. They're just all about to, supposed to enter a room and they all have to do it. And the first one is they have to hang on this thing. They're basically like monkey bars and they have to hang on these monkey bars in a group to see who can last the longest. And you just kind of see them dropping one by one. You know, uh, it's it's awesome. It's great. I, I, I highly recommend it. There's it's two awesome. episodes out right now, and then they're releasing them. Uh, there's two coming out next week. It's oh, great. Wow. Yeah, two episodes a week. Oh, it's two episodes per week that they put out until the 21st. Okay, well, maybe so I will, uh, maybe check, I will it check out. this out. Dude, Akiyama is going to probably... He's all over this trailer. My God, he's jacked. Look at this yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway... It, so he better he, like he's got he's got a target on his back because like he's you know one of, one of the most famous guys, um, but he's also old, older than a lot of people here. So he kind of has to you know prove himself uh, in many ways. Anyway, thank you, thank you, Muggin, for giving me the space to talk about this show. Uh, let's go up next to Jake from the Windy City who sends two fifteen. Thank you, Jake, for the support. He says seeing both belts truly got me beautiful tonight. It was a very nice touch that he came out with the belts. We got a Sebastian Walker who sends four forty nine. Pounds. Thank you, uh, Sebastian. He says, do you think some of AEW's males 35 to 49 have pushed 50 as a potential theory why the 50 plus has been so big, but AEW lost a lot of 35s to 49s at the same time? Um, I, I would, I, without having any scientific breakdown, I, I would doubt that they just had this gigantic, uh, amount of 48 and 49 year olds, uh, over the last few years that have just aged out of the demo. Um, I, I would think it more so tells you of what, uh, like, uh, of an audience that, you know, has been impacted, uh, fr- from AEW. I think the question of, like, you know, audiences aging up and is, is a very legitimate one. Like, um, you know, I, I would say a lot of wrestling, like, obviously wrestling. It's, had- the, it's the reason WWE's on. Like, if you go back to the attitude era, like the median age was around 23, 24 in the glory period in the late nineties. And yeah. now your median age is around 52, 53. Like it, it tells a story of an audience that has just gotten older every year. Absolutely. And, and I, I would say a, a majority of, of the AEW audience are people that stuck around from the attitude era who continue to love their professional wrestling. So, um, I think, you know, um, it's, it's going to be a problem that uh, AEW, I'm sure is actively trying to combat. I wonder if though, like a three year existence is enough to really expect that much change, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, conversely, like you are not seeing like their 1834 audience is not, um, has not been hit as, as harder either, which, you know, naturally you would have people, you know, going from that demo into 35 to 49. But mm-hmm. this, this would re- revolve, uh, involve a lot more research, uh, in terms of looking at the, uh, that this is very Brandon Thurston territory. Yes. 
let's go to Pej Royale, who sends $2 to ask. Thank you for the support, Pej. He says, does Mark's appearance mean that they were never banned? Um, no, I think if this, this just changed this week. Yeah, yeah, I just don't think. How could you possibly look at this last uh, year and not see what was obvious? I mean, it was very clear that there was a strong edict that they were not going to be appearing on. And I think as of uh, Monday, that was the belief as well. Yeah, if anything, I think it tells you that they clearly were. Um, and and I uh, watch last so. week's show. I mean, that is uh, the, like that video uh, was not airing last week that yeah. we saw tonight. Yeah, it's, I think it's very clear what the deal was. Forum.postwrestling.com. Do you want to start us off, John? Uh, I will in one second as we pull it up here. So starting things off, it is Saeed from Vancouver who says, give me Sammy versus Action Andretti for 20 minutes, please. Looking forward to Joe and Darby again. I'm so over the Ethan Page, Matt Hardy storyline. Band- After Takeshita and Bandito, this definitely felt like a downgrade for Danielson, but was still good. Next week will be gold. Uh, emotional main event, lovely crowd, amazing way to end with everyone on the stage. Tell the ones you love, you love them. Mm, maybe a downgrade, like in the sense that, um. Sorry, I thought you were going to disagree with, uh, telling your loved ones you love them. That's oh. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, people know, they, they get the, the message. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like my parents and I don't, like we, we don't do that. Like Asians don't. Don't do that a whole lot, but um, it, I recommend it. You should do that. Do, I was. Do you do you write like if you give them a like a card for something? Do you put love way? No, uh, put, I don't even really give them cards. Like we oh. we just like treat each other to dinner. That's that's how we that's, and we 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 yell at each other for um to 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 you know take like take care of yourselves better. Like my parents yell at me if like I'm not sleeping enough and I'll yell at them if like they're driving too late and it's too dark. That's how we show our affection. So that's our, our version of saying I love you, basically. Yeah. Um but you know, was you, the dance- you sending me the latest uh banking information? That's where I get the message loud and clear from you. Very similar, John. Very similar. Um but like the cage match, I think they they're looking for a different direction. You know, the first two matches were just like you know Danielson having bangers with up and comers, and essentially like him playing the favorite. Now he's supposed to be the underdog for the rest of the series with with the broken arm or sorry, a bad arm, and you need a monster like Brian Cage. You need a a bigger technician like a Timothy Timothy Thatcher that can you know uh, justifiably. No one's go- going to be cheering for Timothy Thatcher next week. Like they'll be cheering for Brian Danielson. You're up. Oh, we got a Cody from Maine who says there's there is still frustration, as I'm sure there is from a lot of us towards WBD, that this is how Mark finally made his AEW debut rather than alongside Jade years ago. But the night clearly wasn't about the negative. It was about the positive. It was about love. It was about family. I will forever be in Mark Briscoe's strength, in awe of Mark's, Mark Briscoe's strength and envious of his conviction to be able to go out there and do what he did tonight just eight days after his brother's passing on his birthday, no less. That was a special, special moment. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I wrote it today that this, this should not have been Mark Briscoe's AEW debut. That should have been years ago. But you cannot change that. And I think at the very least, you can certainly have a negative opinion of WBD's stance over all of this, but at the end of it, they, they did end up allowing for this to happen. So it's, it's something that at least it was done. 
So, I mean, you, you have to look at it uh, from that perspective, but there, there will be some that have like negativity towards this. And, you know, the fact that these two, they should have been on years ago. This was something that should not have taken such a tragic event to allow for something like this to happen. But it's at least, you know, the, the right call was made in the end, even if it was late. Agreed. Robbie from London, a great show with a number of great matches, but I'm here to talk about the main event. Since I first saw ROH a decade ago, instantly into this day, Jay Briscoe was my favorite performer in that company. So this main event was very difficult for me, yet beautiful. The emotion on both men's faces going out there to kill it, the Jay Driller, Mark's comments to the camera, and of course that post-match. I was an emotional wreck, but it was a wonderful way to cap off the night, and I'm just so happy we got it. Rest in peace, Jay. And for some people, the night's not over because, uh, again, the tribute show is, is supposed to air at uh, 10 p.m., Pacific time, 1 a.m. Eastern time. So, and that's going to be on Honor Club and the ROH YouTube channel. Correct. I yeah, yeah. And and I guess we like the delay. We we presume is because is there like a West Coast time difference for uh, Dynamite on the West Coast? Yes. Um, TBS has a. Oh gosh, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's uh, like a staggered feed. I Got believe. It. I okay. believe. Uh, we go to Jordan from the Bronx who says Mark Briscoe's Mark Briscoe is one strong dude. I don't know how he was able to have that match. Jay died a day before Mark's birthday and he wrestled on national TV for the first time in a main event match on Jay's, Jay's birthday. I was an emotional wreck for him while he displayed incredible poise and pride throughout the match. Putting aside the frustrations with WBD stance on the Briscoes, I'm just glad that Mark was able to have that moment and that Jay's video package got to air. Life is too short. There's moments where someone may cross your mind that you haven't heard from him in a, from, from in a while. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to them. Tell more people that you love them more often. It's better to give people their flowers while they can still smell them than after they're gone. Uh, agreed. Or yeah. tell them um, to sleep more. That's a good way of showing your love as well. We go to Kate from Montreal. Very entertaining opener. Solid Derby match. And I'm looking forward to both Danielson Thatcher and Mox Hangman 3 next week. Thought that one would happen at Revolution, so I'm curious to see what happens. But tonight was all about the main event, and I don't think it could have gone better. Gutsy performance from both men and a wonderful moment at the end. Bravo to all concerned for making sure that this made it to TV. Much agreed. Thank you, Kate. Let's go to Chris from Yonkers, who says, I know there was plenty that happened tonight, but uh, and a lot of stories were advanced, but the only thing I can say I'll remember was that main event. The entire experience was simultaneously heartbreaking and beautiful. To see those guys go out there and honor Jay in the way that he made his mark on the world was amazing. It's painful to know that he's gone, but to see all of those men and women whose lives were impacted by Jay Briscoe in some way be able to honor him publicly on that stage was fantastic. From Jay Lethal clearly fighting back the urge to cry the entire match, to guys like Chuck Taylor and Hangman Page not even being able to hold back their own tears. It was beautiful to see Jay Briscoe get the type of public acknowledgement that his life deserved, and for the people whose hearts he touched to be able to have that experience. The ending of the match was the only ending that made sense, and I hope we get to see more of Mark in the future. Rest in peace, Jay. Yeah, and I mean, I do believe that the Ring of Honor brand, I think that they will make a concerted effort to build like a lot of legacy around Jay Briscoe. I w- like, honestly, they, Tony Khan has mentioned the fact that they're going to do the, the tribute episode that comes out in a few hours and that they will also honor him on the first episode that goes up when, when they start doing Ring of Honor television and Supercard of Honor, which... I think it would be something worth exploring the idea of renaming that event after Jay Briscoe. That's um, a very doing something. And idea. that's, that's the big show of the year. It is, you know, the, what, what, whatever you want to name it, something uh, after Jay Briscoe. Um, 
Mm-hmm. That would just be a way that you could you could honor this guy for eternity. Tag tournament, I think, makes a lot of sense as well. You know, but yeah, they can. There are a lot of ways, that, and yeah, we 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 expect to to see something. Yeah. We go to Danny next. What a tribute to Jay Briscoe. The tribute got me emotional, incredibly well done, and whoever put it together deserves a huge pat on the back. Seeing the emotion on Jay Lethal's face on his way to the ring and before the match was tough, but so engaging. Seeing Mark Briscoe in an AEW ring to pay tribute to his brother and family was all I hoped for, and the pain in his eyes was definitely captured. The post-match pulled at heartstrings as he looked into the camera and spoke to his family and brother. Haven't ever left feedback, but this is one I won't ever forget. Also, having Ian and Caprice on commentary was perfect, and they added so much history and stories about Jay and his family. A nice touch and a big thank you to Tony Khan for making this happen. Thanks for everything you guys do. Well, thank you, uh, Danny, for leaving feedback tonight. And lastly, let's go to uh, Muggin, who said, who wrote, uh, Mark Briscoe has unbelievable resolve to work this main event a week removed from Jay's passing. Tony Khan deserves credit for pulling the strings to make this happen. Mark hitting the Jay driller was a perfect cathartic ending. I bet the tag t- titles will be vacated going forward, possibly for Supercard of Honor via a tournament leading up to it, and the Jay tribute video was beautifully made. Danielson, K- excuse me, Danielson Cage was a Slight step, step down from the last couple matches Brian had. I feel that the JAS has run its course. Perry and Hook are better suited as solo stars, and the Outsiders versus Homegrown Women's Feud is doing no one any favors, including Jamie Hader, who is the champion. Does it make her an afterthought? No, because she's not really involved in it at the, at this point. I mean, it's more so Brit's thing at this point that they've uh, set up. Um and I don't see them maybe necessarily going this this Brit hater direction as soon as maybe people assume for this next pay per view. It seems like it is in a different direction, and you could you could certainly have uh, either Soraya or Storm um, feud with with Hater going into the pay per view and and do it that way, where there Jamie Hater is already a babyface to most of the audience, and based on tonight, it would seem like Baker is going that that direction too for this home growing feud against the Outsiders. Right. I, I, I don't know at this point, like, whether or not to expect Hater to be, continue to be attached to, to Britt Baker, you know, because, um, you would expect that she would, but, um, they, they've already done the match also, so I don't know if they'll go back to it or if they'll just have Hater continue to, on her own path. Um, I haven't been impressed with it, you know, period. And, and really anything to do with, like, um, this turn so far from the Mercedes thing that might or might not have initially been planned to what they've got going on right now with the storytelling. I, I think it's been subpar. So, um, we'll see when, once it really gets going, maybe some promos and maybe some actual, you know, decent storytelling will help get it back into shape. It needs some life injected into it because it's, uh, it, it has felt rushed to your point as well, where I think people are just kind of their head is spinning of where all these characters have shifted. Like Soraya is suddenly a heel out of nowhere. Um, so anyway, we will see what they have in store in the next couple of weeks. But what we have in store in the next couple of nights is the live watch along Thursday night, 8 Eastern, postwrestlingcafe.com. All members are welcome to join Way, Brandon from New Jersey, and myself as we watch the 97 Royal Rumble match. Friday night, we are live at 11 Eastern after SmackDown and Rampage, and we will do a preview of the Royal Rumble that is Saturday night, going live minutes after the Rumble, youtube.com slash postwrestling. Uh, so go check out all of that, postwrestlingcafe.com, video.postwrestling.com, where you can support us. And that is going to wrap up Rewind to Dynamite. So for waiting, I am John Pollock, and thank you for tuning in.